Hi, I'm Mandy Learn. And I'm Stephanie Keeley. Thank you for joining us for Women Who Work. Before we start the episode, we wanted to remind you to follow, rate, and review the podcast so more listeners like you will find us. You can also help your colleagues and friends join the conversation by sharing this episode with your networks. Okay, now let's get started. We always say when we live boldly, we invite others to do the same. And when you are a trailblazer or someone that steps out or offers vulnerability first, so often people will meet you where you are or they will reach out and ask. I love the quote, you know, they'll call you crazy and then they call you for advice. And that has been so much of our journey. We know what we know and that's safe, but to step outside of that and pursue something that will make us happier, more joyful is is never easy, but it's certainly the new it all that we would define. Welcome back to the Women Who Work podcast, and hello to those who may be joining us for the first time. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here and a part of our conversation. We are excited to keep discussing the essentials for leading in your life and career, because as women who work, we just cannot separate the two. Each episode, we challenge ourselves to bring you real conversations about the real things women are facing in the world of work today. And you have a place in this conversation. So today we're bringing you the energy of sitting with your work BFF with a grab bag of topics, a docket, if you will, and a hot cup of coffee. So buckle up or sit back and relax. You pick. Um, We also have an interview with Casey Lett Gordon and Katie Louise Mullins. They're the founders of It All Media, and they'll share their story about the realities of trying to have it all and the way they're redefining what that actually means. This one's going to be a good one. Let's dive in. Mandy and I have an assortment of questions for each other. We've kind of just brain dumped out some thoughts that have the full range of everything from your girly girl things, your real life Mm -hmm. mom stuff, household things to leadership superpowers and challenges you might face at work. So we're going to like just jump in and kind of wing it a little bit so that you can enjoy getting to know us a little bit better. And also we'll try to entertain everyone. All right, Stephanie. So you and I both are definitely readers. What is the last book that you read, or maybe even the book you're currently reading. Okay. Well, I did just finish a book and I loved it. It's called The Life Council by Laura Tremaine. She is a podcaster and an author, and she writes about kind of sharing your stuff and connecting with people. And this book in particular was all about um, the types of friends you need in your life. What I liked about it is that she kind of shed some light on how, you know, we have this assumption that you need to have a best friend. And especially as an adult, that can feel kind of hard to make new friends or to have these really strong connections everywhere. But by outlining these types of friends that can be in your life, she helps you kind of except that you probably do already have lots of these relationships and lots of these um, friendships that you can continue to nurture and also gives you some tips for how to expand that a little bit. And um, just kind of talks about the value of friendship, which I thought was fun. 
Yeah, that is really interesting, especially as, you know, as adults and as we get older, we realize, or at least I've realized that friendships and relationships are very different, how you find them, how you form them, how you maintain them. It's not the same when you are a teenager, even in in college and living around your, your, you know, four BFFs in a small apartment, right? Like it's very different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That sounds yeah. really interesting. It's so I would highly recommend it. It's a good okay. one. All right. What about you? Are, do you have a book on your nightstand? I do. And it's um, right now, I just got back from a trip. So I was kind of reading more, you know, you have different, at least for me, I have different books that you read when you're on vacation and whatnot. So I, uh, while I was on my trip, I was reading or finished, um, it begin. Uh, sorry, it ends with us by Colleen Hoover. And it shook me. Oh my God. I'm so glad that she wrote a second one because if anybody's read it, there are these two characters and you're just dying to know what happens with them. And so that's where the second book and what I'm reading now, because I couldn't wait, um, it starts with us. So So you just started, it starts with us. Yes. Or you're about, in it. I'm, I'm about halfway through. Yeah. Yeah. So, and if you are not familiar with Colleen Hoover, she's a great author, has a way of writing just very suspenseful books, interesting characters. Um, I think her most popular that many of you may know is Verity, which just was like, like, So I haven't read any of her other books, but I read It Ends With Us. And it was so, you know, for being kind of a chick flicky type novel, Mm -hmm. for Mm. being in that genre, it was so impactful to me. It was so powerful. Mm -hmm. And so I read a little bit more about it. And it was based on um, topics from her her life. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very real. And I think that came through for me. It 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 was powerful. Like I said, it shook me a bit. I was, I was left with like, I don't know, just feeling that book. Yeah. And she taught and the topics that she talks about, I don't think are, are generally discussed in literature. Yeah. It has to do with physical violence, um, mm-hmm. child abuse, mm-hmm. um, abuse in relationships. So it's, it's mm-hmm. pretty powerful and her characters are just, I love them. So, wow. um, <laughs> but let's switch to business. So Mandy, what is a pet peeve that you have within business communication? Oh my goodness. I would have to say, um, and for business communication, I just, and so I love detail and I think this may be where this comes into play. I love detail. Uh, when people just when people use email and it's and it's as if they were just texting, mm. I, mm-hmm. I feel like email still is kind of a more formal way of communicating. Um, but I do, but I am an emoji user, so <laughs> um, Listen, there's that's nothing not, wrong with it. That's not very formal, but I have to say, you know, when there's no punctuation, when things aren't capitalized. Um, that just, that just irks me a little bit, gets under my skin. You're like, show some respect to the email, right? Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, um, some people don't like the emoji or especially at first it was like, oh, that's unprofessional, similar with, uh, an exclamation point, like the overuse of an exclamation point. Um, 
But, you know, I've heard this conversation play out in so several ways. And really, it just adds personality. We have talked about nonverbal communication on this podcast (laughs) before. We know that there is only so much that words on a screen can tell you. So you have to sometimes add in the emoji and the exclamation point to show that you're not just being curt or, you know. It's very hard to get the right tone across with just a brief email with words. Yeah, I agreed. Um, For me, I think it's like an overuse of buzzwords. Like when you know someone's just trying to sound businessy by circling back and um, (laughs) um, per my last email, which is really passive aggressive. Totally. We've all done it though. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, just, I found a funny um, Instagram post once. It was like official office buzzword tears and like just kind of categorizing all the buzzwords. And I think it's when people overuse the buzzwords just to Mm -hmm. sound like they know what they're talking about. That's what, that's right. Me. Yep. But I also kind of find it humorous. So keep them coming. Yeah. Well, and I love that there's memes for these sort of things. We're clearly not the only ones that think about this as well. Like the overuse of exclamation points. There's, I think one of my favorites is something about um, me rewriting an email or thinking too much of it about an email because of the number of exclamation points I have and then me going back and deleting them so I don't sound like a crazed idiot. <laughs> Adding one in the next uh, sentence. Right. Taking right, it away right. from the last one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, mm, I've done that. Yeah. Yeah. So memes are on our side on this one. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. (laughs) Well, what is your, what would you say is your leadership superpower? My leadership superpower. I don't know if this is a leadership superpower, but I feel like my superpower is, um, is details. I love the details. That's what I'm really good at. That's what I just, I'm very, I guess to extrapolate on that, it would be, um, the ability is observation. Oh, yeah. And I see where mm-hmm. the two come together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just very, I'm just a very observant person. And that can work against me sometimes because I let the little things get to me that shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think sometimes, especially in what I have to do a lot of times, seeing the details and recognizing them is really important. So yeah. Yeah. So what about you? What do you think your leadership superpower is? Um, I, I, so recently I was asked that for this sore Instagram post and I, oh, put, yeah, problems, yeah, yeah. I put problem solver and, mm-hmm. um, I think that, that's one of those things that is just like a skill that I've always utilized and not really thought of much as being a skill. And until, you know, you do some of that work and learning about your own leadership capacity and developing yourself. And I, so yeah, I would say problem solving it's been, it's played out um, in lots of ways, I would say throughout my career. And it's been one of those though. I think that's hard to, um, you know, it's one of those like resume buzzword kind of things, but then Mm -hmm. in reality, those are the things that set you apart 
you know, that's what employers are looking for. Things like being truly like detail oriented, not just like, oh, I'm detail oriented, da, 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 professional, but like the way that you utilize that in your work and in your leadership, it actually does create impact. And, you know, similarly, I feel like that about, um, you know, my ability to solve problems and think strategically and collaborate, like all of that, I do think is what sets me apart. Yeah. And it's not overrated because everybody all day long is solving some sort of problem. Whatever their work entails, you have to solve problems, whatever yeah. those problems may be. I think it's interesting when you said, you know, I wasn't really aware that that was a, was a superpower until I started doing some um, deep leadership work. And, and I think that's the true sense of what a strength is, is that mm -hmm. you do it so well, you're not even aware that you're doing it because it is just almost inherent to you and, and your personality. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever gotten feedback from somebody that has said that has justified that or has? Um, yes, yes, definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I, I might make a, a folder in my email box that says like warm fuzzies, mm -hmm. but I don't keep them in my brain very much. That's a smart little hack is to keep a folder in your, in your email when you get those little kind of nice compliments. Yeah. So if you need it, you go back and you look through That's what right. positive things that you've done to make an impression on someone else makes mm -hmm. you feel good. Yeah. Or when it's time for your yearly review, you can Brush like, up. look at this. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. right. Look at this. Look at what, you know, clients said, this is what I delivered. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So shifting gears, because you mm -hmm. mentioned a hack and I wanted to, because this is a topic that comes up anytime I have lunch with some women, I feel like we always one of the biggest takeaways is we we're like, we found a new product or we found a new system or something that makes life a little bit easier. And um, so my um, current favorite life hack for the stage of life we're in right now is um, solving the problem of you've got mm -hmm. all these activities going on. Uh, we have young kids in our house. You have two boys in your house too. So there's sports on sports and activities <laughs> and logistics and schedules and all of that. And inevitably people cannot find the stuff that they need to go to those activities no. ever, ever. So they're always like, Hey mom, where's this? Hey Mandy, where's this? Hey Stephanie, where's this? Can you pack this? And so I have started putting a whatever sport we're in right now, large basket in the garage, just outside our door in the garage. And that is where the current season's stuff goes. Mm -hmm. So we're in soccer right now. Mm -hmm. So all your soccer gear goes in this basket right here. When you get done, you throw it in the basket. When you're ready to leave for practice, you get it out of that basket. And it sounds so simple. But when I mentioned it uh, recently to a friend, they're like, oh my gosh, that's what I need. I'm buying the basket right now, putting it yeah. right there in the garage. And that'll that'll fix because they can never find their shin guards. Mm. For some reason, <laughs> they can never find their shin guards. I'm like, it's in the basket. So that's my current <laughs> hack. And is it working? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. That's awesome. So they know you developed a system. I did. Now, mine are young enough. I get them in and out of the basket most of the time. But- 
it's now not something that's just in my brain, but my husband can help because uh-huh. there's a spot for it. Yes. A spot for it. The theory of organization is everything has a place and a place for everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you're also not the own, you're not the owner of that information. Like you said, everybody else in the family knows that's where things go and they don't have to always ask you, where is this? Where is that? Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about going back to books. Um mm-hmm. Uh, Eve Rodowski, who wrote Fair Play. It's all about really, truly dividing your household equitably between you and your partner. And she talks about it's building systems just like that you did. So you are the primary parent is not always the owner of all the information because that's a lot of, that's a big mental load. (laughs) It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's very similar to to what mine is also. I just recently, and I know this is not anything new, but I finally executed it. I I have now a drop zone. There's hooks for everybody. There's baskets. And like you said, there's all the places for all of the sports equipment. And they all know that that's where they go. And then they can find it when they need it. Yeah, I think it's important. A simple label can go a really long way, you know, whether that's in your pantry or in your bathroom or anywhere in your house, if you can label something as going here, that will, that will fix a lot of the, the challenge. And like you said, the mental load that you Mm -hmm. carry because other people in your house can read. Right. Yeah. Or the last minute running around because you can't find something and then you're running late and everybody's just in this chaotic frenzy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. does not do that. I don't do well with. <laughs> I'm curious. Is there anything at, that is just bugging you right now? That's like top of your mind that makes you go, Ugh, I cannot focus. Yes. Yeah, so I am, um, we're about to leave, uh, later this week to go to a family wedding and we're leaving the kids home. So it's, me trying to organize and get everything ready, really, that they need. I'm not focused on me or what I'm bringing or packing or whatever, or what we're going to do. Um, it's all about making sure that they're organized for their grandparents and and making sure that they have all the information that they need and where they need to be. So it's just mm-hmm. coordinating all of that. And it is definitely taking up space rent-free right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> rent-free space in your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being a logistics coordinator is um I mean, I feel like it's one of the like number one things I do. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, they talk, you know how we talk about moms and 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 specifically challenges for those that might have taken um time off and want to re-enter the workforce and mm-hmm. it's just like, well, hire moms because they have all these crazy skills and like you just said, you're a logistics coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah. You'll get you'll get the things done and then mm-hmm. some. Do you have anything right now that I feel like yeah. laundry is something that's mm-hmm. just been constant and you know, work from home. And so fortunately I'm able to throw things in and change things out. Um, but it's one of those things that like it's never done. Mm-mm. Nope. As soon as you think you've gotten everything done. Mm-mm. We keep wearing the clothes mm-hmm. and it's never done. And mm-hmm. then you to have a couple of days where you can't do anything or a week goes by or you're really busy one weekend 
And there you go. It's a mountain again, Mm -hmm. or it's done and it's clean, but it's sitting there in baskets, not folded, not put away. Yep. For a long time. Yep. I can get to the folding stage, but somehow it just doesn't end up in drawers. Yeah. Um, Uh, You know, this one has been in the the zeitgeist lately. I feel like I've heard of several (laughs) topics, uh, conversations around laundry. And one of the reflections was about how sometimes we feel like we're a failure for not having done the laundry, you know, like as we're working full time and yet we still expect ourselves to like have laundry done or have the house looking perfect or whatever. Um, but truly just the having of the laundry is just always going to be a part of life. It will always Mm -hmm. be there. And having laundry that needs to be done or put away or whatever, is just a sign of living a full life, right? Right. You're living, you're not creating a museum. Mm -hmm. You're actually living a full life, um, doing fun things or spending your time working, being productive, having purpose, raising children, Mm-hmm. going to activities. So it's always going to be there. So I think you have to remove the expectation that it'll ever be done. Really a hundred percent done. Yeah. yeah. What do you think is so challenging about being a woman who works today? We're kind of put in a box of needing to be a very specific, play a specific role. You know, we kind of talked about this when we were thinking about all these grab bags of questions and thinking like, Hey, you know, women really do have range, like real women have range. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yeah. Like we, we can be, we can sit with our best friends and talk about makeup and then we can go kick some butt in mm-hmm. the office and we can do all those things. Um, but we're not just one thing or the other. Um, you might be a, an amazing cook and you can knock out an Excel spreadsheet with the best of them. <laughs> so I, I think though, when we are in the workplace, there has been a kind of a moving target of the role we're supposed to play. And I just don't think it's really fair mm-hmm. to women to say like, well, you have to be you have to look a certain way like this one particular businesswoman and you have to talk a certain way like like the the men do in the office and then now we're saying like oh actually you shouldn't because that's not really effective or oh that makes you aggressive not assertive and so i think it's just kind of that unfair role that we're being expected to play in yeah. all facets of our life yep and then kind but of I turn think, it on its head and then be like, oh, well, you need to play a different role now that you're at home. Right. Well, and I think women just want to be able to be who they are in all of their different environments that they show up in. They don't want to have to compartmentalize and and be a different version in wherever space that they're occupying at the moment. I think they just want to be who they are across the board and show up the best that they can and and with the strengths that they have yeah or we authentically have. you know like, to be, right right be an authentic yeah. true to yourself person mm-hmm. who is good at a lot of things right but despite all those challenges i i think it is worth it to be a woman who works 
I think it's really important um, to have like to fulfill your purpose and your passions, whatever those are, and to have the opportunity to be productive in the workplace. Um, if that, if it's the time and stage of your life where that is important to you. Um, and for me personally, I'm better at one because I do the other and, you know, vice versa as a mother and as a professional, I like having the opportunity to fulfill both sides of the coin. I I like being able to kind of elevate myself in both ways and it gives me energy and it makes me better all around. Okay. Well, that was really, really fun. And I hope uh, all the listeners enjoyed our conversation today and getting to know uh, Stephanie and I a little bit better. So now it is time to hear our guests uh, who are the co-founders of It All Media, Casey Lett Gordon and Katie Louise Mullins. I'm so excited to hear what they have to say. And I think that you'll get a lot out of it too. Casey Lett Gordon and Katie Louise Mullins are best friends, neighbors, and business partners. In 2021, they co-founded It All Media, a woman-centered media company rewriting the narrative on modern womanhood through story and conversation. They serve as executive producers and patrons for storytelling and research projects spanning podcast, film, TV, events, and brand partnerships. Their work has taken them to speak at international forums like Sundance and South by Southwest. Prior to starting It All Media, Casey was Senior VP of Strategy and co-founding and scaling a $10 million innovation practice, as well as the largest innovation community in the Southeast. During that time, Katie spent over a decade leading marketing, comms, and fundraising strategy for nonprofits and NGOs in the U.S., Europe, and Asia. Ladies, welcome to the Women Who Work podcast. Thank Thank you. you. It's great to be here. It is great to be here. All right. Well, we're so excited to talk with you um, about the really exciting things you're doing for women um, and the unique way that you're doing it. Mm -hmm. So in an effort to start sharing your story, Casey, I'll start with you. You are driven and a successful professional. And in 2019, you were pregnant with your first child and meanwhile promoted to senior VP as you entered maternity leave. So describe for us that time and how it became the turning point for your career. Yeah, that it it, it all all pun intended started there. Um 2019 I had my first daughter and it was as you mentioned being promoted to senior vice president. I think I not having gone through the experience of becoming a parent for the first time, I thought, wow, what a progressive company. What an incredible story that I get to tell. I was so um, driven around redefining the narrative of women in business and especially sales. I felt so powerful. And the reality, as I came back four months later, um, was that the structure, it's one thing to give that title or give that promotion. It's another to really think about the person of when they're re-entering the workforce. Lauren Brody calls it the fifth trimester of when you're re-entering as a working parent. Mm. And that for me 
it was a shit show for lack of better words. Um, it was, the structure was lacking. I was coming back to, I had a team of five, a $10 million PL. We found ourselves um, in the midst of pivoting our business. I was traveling, pumping literally in a, a back closet slash room where I had large sticky notes covering the window. It was I don't even think, I think that I didn't even have the ability to advocate for myself in those positions. I didn't know in all the ways that I had traditionally felt so strong as a business leader, very much defined by my career, my title, the work I did, the money I made. I felt vulnerable in those spaces as any new parent, not even just mothers, but certainly mothers, but any parent coming back in, but in all the ways that it's maybe I hadn't felt as strong or as comfortable in my skin, feminine energy, as we say, being nurturing a matriarch, um, physically my body changing, I felt really strong. And so I was going through an identity crisis. You have to recognize the people around me were also adjusting to that new identity. And, but that was in um, the fall of 2019. And by the holidays, I was driving to pick up my daughter and I thought I would rather run my car into that retaining wall than live my life right now. And I always say it wasn't necessarily to kill myself, but it was to hurt myself bad enough that I got out of any of the responsibilities. And that, I mean, it's very sobering for anyone, but that moment was, wow, I have a daughter that I'm raising. And if this is how she defines success, having it all, I would really have failed. Um, the second is if I did not have the support of great friends like Katie, my husband, my parents, my family, if I did not have the mechanisms for my husband to carry health insurance and pay our mortgage, I don't know what that would have looked like if I didn't have access education network. Um, and the final one was I felt so alone. I did not see mm -hmm. anybody else, despite what I know now, three years later, that all of us feel that way at some point in time, nobody was talking about it. As a collective, this was pre-COVID. I think we've gotten a lot better in that conversation, but there's still so much work to do. And I felt like a giant failure. I felt so alone. And that was the start of what we call my peace of mind plan of how do you leave situations that aren't working, but giving yourself peace of mind. It's not just walking away blindly, but being intentional. And so um, COVID was shortly thereafter, as we all know. And then it was through the next several months figuring out how did I not only financially very tangibly walk away, but how did I create the space for myself mentally to walk away from that job that was very defining of my identity and give myself what the goal was, was 12 weeks off to redefine what I wanted to do next, whether that was a job. I didn't think stay-at-home parenthood was right for me, but that was 2019 into 2020. And you know, you think about what was happening in the world. We had the pandemic, what we now can name the great resignation. This was the summer after George Floyd's death. There was just tremendous amount of, I think, questioning and awakening as a, as a, collective as a country, as a world, um, and then going through my own simultaneously. Yeah. So Katie, what were you experiencing during this, this time you were in the nonprofit and social impact field? Um, and Casey kind of came to you. What, what was going on for you at that point? Um, well, I, I think for me, I've never actually like subscribed. I was saying this the other day, like I've never really subscribed to the traditional at all. However, the newspaper landed on my doorstep every Sunday, regardless. Um, and so it was always kind of this, this fight to find, um, 
your own beat, I guess. Um, and I was in a seven year relationship living in the South, um, which, you know, has its own pressure and looks a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, and when that ended, um, kind of unexpectedly, I had been craving to leave. I was living in Charleston at the time and I'd been craving to leave for a couple years. And, um, I took the opportunity, um, to, kind of fly. I, um, packed up my life and moved in less than a month to Thailand. Um, and it was almost like, um, you're in survival mode at the time. Yeah. Like you're not really thinking about it. It was like, uh, I just want to leave well and, um, leave with love. And, um, the pivot was, I, I was just kind of thinking about like, how do I do the thing that I know I want to do? And this will hopefully bring me back to myself. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't feel lost per se, but I didn't feel like myself. Um, and when I got to Thailand, I met this incredible community, particularly of women um, who were like valued and were making a lot of life choices very similar to mine. And that was maybe the first time that I've ever seen that. Um kind of replicated back to me. And, um, it was just very empowering and I loved my work over there. And I think I talked to Casey about four months in and she was like, you sound more like you than I've heard in years. Mm. Um, and it, it just, I feel like it gave me new life a little bit. And, uh, upon coming back to the States, right when COVID hit, I moved to DC because it was a nonprofit hub, um, despite Casey's best efforts to try to bring me to Atlanta um, immediately. Um, but I had moved there and immediately fell back into old narratives. You know, um, I was like, I have to get another leadership role and I'll work there for five years and build cloud and network. And then I can consult and do what I want to do and live the life I want to live. Um, none of that was true, but it was certainly limiting beliefs um, of what I thought at the time. And very fortunately, um, Casey had just started this podcast about three months prior to, um, and she had already realized that the stories that she, um, was recording and, and having these conversations with women, that it was bigger than we could have imagined. Um, and that it really had a social impact element to it. Um, and at the time, uh, I was job hunting, doing some contract work. And, um, she called in, in January and pitched to me and she was like, listen, I think this is bigger. Would you consider moving to Atlanta before ever even talking to her husband about this plan? <laughs> um, they have a carriage house in the backyard. And she was like, you can live literally in my backyard. We'll sort this all out. Come build this company with me. Um, Casey is a brilliant saleswoman. So within 20 <laughs> minutes, I was already sold. Um, but it took me three hours to call her back and say, okay, I'm coming. Um, and we have been building ever since we officially launched the company in July of 21 and, uh, yeah. All right. So it started as this podcast, um, Casey, what, what were you finding? You, you said you made your plan and you're like, I just want to start collecting some stories yeah. about women who are kind of feeling these same feels. So what, what is your podcast about? Yeah, for the sake of this show, I'm going to use shorthand F it all, as in the proverbial, she can have it all. If you go to search it, it's the actual word F, you know, spell it out, um, <laughs> podcast. And 
so I, I left my job in September and I of 2020, and I joke that it was like those early days of quarantine where you're so productive as in like I've organized every closet and all my dishes are sorted and I've taken 20 goodwill trips, but also you are going insane because mm-hmm. you're searching for purpose. And a few weeks in, I thought a few six days in, I felt called. And for a long time, I had felt called to do something with women. I just didn't know. And this is for so many of you that might be listening. I felt like an entrepreneur without an idea. And because I had so much security in my job, um, definitely the golden handcuffs, this, you know, the security of knowing what paths look like, um, knowing what the days look like, knowing what health insurance looked like. I didn't feel called enough or felt like it was that quote unquote million dollar idea to take a step out. But it wasn't until I actually gave myself the space, and this is something we we coach women on all the time, is you don't have to make the full jump, but find ways to give yourself margin to play. Mm-hmm. And that's what the podcast was for me to start is I said, okay, I was watching Katie step into her power. I was watching her do life differently on her own terms when a lot of people would have been cut off at the knees and devastated. And not to say that it wasn't a hard and devastating time but I watched her choose herself and really step into her power. I felt like those are the stories I want to hear. Somebody choosing themselves and doing it on their own terms without being called crazy or um, othered. And so I, I said, okay, you know, I, I was a journalism major way back when Katie and I met in grad school doing interactive media. So despite many years being in sales, marketing, consulting strategy, I have a storytelling background. I loved podcast at the beginning because I felt like I want to talk to women and I want to keep it real. And I don't want us having to polish ourselves. I don't want what we look like to dictate how valuable what we have to say is. Mm -hmm. I want to show up in a baseball cap with no makeup and talk to people like I would my girlfriend sitting down when we're in a hard time. And uh, I bought a logo for $5 on Etsy. I got commercial use permission. The person was very lovely. I um, bought a website and, you know, was dangerous enough with a Squarespace. And I reached out to my network and I said, hey, I want to tell stories of women doing life differently. And I intentionally chose F it all because I was pissed. I bought into the story. I had bought into all the things. I was the good girl. I got the degree and then I got the second degree and then I hustled and was the youngest vice president and the first woman and blah, blah, blah. And I felt miserable. So I felt like, okay, I did it your way and it didn't work. So now what does that look like? And I just wanted to start talking to people about what did they define having it all? How did they grapple with these moments where you find yourself in the fetal position crying, not the glossed over social media version? And in a week, I had a backlog of 100 stories. It was, you have to meet my friend. I have a story. You need to meet my mom, my sister, my colleague. Um, And men too were coming forward to say, I have people you need to meet and I want to hear these stories. And so that's where it really was my own catharsis. It was mm-hmm. my own, like, I need to hear these stories. And so I just started recording. I just started. And I think, again, that's what I would tell so many of, you know, your listeners is when it comes to play, it's okay to put it out there. It doesn't have to be the end all be all. And at the time I didn't know what it was. And I had people saying, is this your new job? Are you trying to be like an influencer now? And I had to say, I don't know what it is, but it feels good to me. And I'm going to do it right now. And if you want to listen, give it a go. That was really, I mean, it was hard. It was very um, emotionally challenging. It felt vulnerable. It felt cringy in some ways, right? And But I kept putting myself out there 
um, because I needed that connection. I needed those stories. And that's, you know, it was at the time I had been doing it for a few months. We had just come off the um, U.S. presidential election in 2020. Um, Georgia had a really, you know, powerful story with Stacey Abrams having lost the governor uh, gubernatorial election and then stepping in and really pushing for um, driving voter uh, registration and voter sign up. And I watched somebody who arguably failed, right? She fell on her face. She lost and she didn't stop. She just went quiet and started doing things in power and made such a difference. And that's when I realized like, okay, it doesn't have to be the headline thing. It can be an unseen thing. And that's so feminine energy, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. it's going to be internal. You may not see it, but it's still powerful. What we've started to gather to Katie's point is grounded theory research. And for those that may not be familiar, there's traditional forms of research in which you take a survey or ask a very specific question. But if I asked you, Hey, Stephanie, tell me um, what's hard about going to work in the morning. I've already skewed the fact that going to work is hard. I've already skewed the fact that you're going to work. I've already, you know, so there's so much embedded in that. Grounded theory is open-ended. It's just tell me about your working experience. Tell me about your morning. And then you start to say, well, gosh, I have to get the kids out the door and I always need a coffee. And I start, you hear things and observe things in different ways that aren't skewed. And that's what the podcast was. Mm-hmm. So, I so tell us about that. Tell us about yeah. that research. What what were you finding and, and kind of what are the trends that you are finding through that research? I think we knew, we didn't know what we had at yeah. first. Um, I like, it's, it's funny. We always laugh because as we tell our story, it sounds so linear, but um, the last two years have been chaos um, as entrepreneurs, like it is truly stumbling through and you now, like, it makes so much sense that one thing like collapsed into another, collapsed into another and, yeah. and it became what it is today. Um, and when we tell the story, it sounds clean, but during the time it was messy and full of discovery and a wild, a wild journey. Um, and questioning often, should we continue? What is this thing? How do we do this? And I think that's so important for women to know, because we think that it's you have that either our male counterparts or other people just know it all. Yeah. And that's, it's certainly not true. No, we've learned it along the way. And, and so it, it happened one day, actually, we we're at the Lola here in Atlanta. Um, and we met with uh, a group of women that had been formally researching um, the Great Resignation. And we had been documenting this real time, not having words for so much of it at the at the period of time. Um, but they had been researching it in a very formal sense with surveys, all of that. And we sat down in the room and realized that like we had so much knowledge around this event and women's sentiment around it. And um, we actually had more in-depth intel than um, some of the surveys were providing. And so we were able to really map like the system and the systemic issues that were going on um, through the stories that we were hearing. Um, So we built a framework really from the podcast that stories inform our beliefs, beliefs inform our actions and actions build the systems that run our lives at home, at work and in our communities. Um, And if, if, you know, you, if you're pissed off, we always say, or um, you are like elated about something, you can generally always map it back to a story that you've been told um, or like about a system at play, you know, and, and similar to Casey's thing, she was you know, in her moment, um, she was so frustrated with the lack of systemic 
uh, structure that was in place during her um, comeback from, you know, becoming a parent and coming back to work. And really, it was all these stories that she had to show up a very specific way, and the system wasn't there to support her. And so I think for us, it's just been this uncovering and coding um, slowly and surely as we hear more and more stories. FIA moments generally happen in our research between the ages of 28 and 44. Certainly anyone can have them. Um, I think everyone has them. Very few people can act on them. Acting on one, being able to walk away, that's a privilege that 99% of the U.S. women do not have. They might have them and say, well, I still have to go to my shift. I still have to get my kids um, to off to school. And so every bit of privilege layered in there, whether it's race, whether it's education, whether it's network, any of that recognize that that makes you more able to take, to actually act on an FIA moment. Um, if you, because 28 to 44, those are usually the times in which a woman might begin to step into perceived positions of power inside a work system, um, being promoted, maybe life events usually happening, either partnership or, um, purchasing a home, having a child. And it's as she begins to take on more roles and recognizing that she's not, uh, that the system is not built to support her. That is when those frustrations start to rise. And it's where she reaches the point where she was like, oh, I thought that job was when I would feel really satisfied. She gets there and she doesn't. Um, if it happens younger than that, it's usually some sort of very perspective shifting event, maybe a illness, a loss, a tragedy, something that pushes people to say, wait, life is short and this isn't working out, or I thought it would be this way. So it's, it's perspective shifting. Over that, we're seeing a tremendous amount of women really in the second act. So it could be their um, kids, maybe they're becoming empty nesters. It could be the fact that they are part of Gen X and they're saying like, wait, I've kind of always questioned this, but now I'm really inspired by Gen Z. Yeah, they're and kids. Yeah, they're kids doing things differently. Um, there's a lot more conversation around menopause. There's a lot more conversation around second act careers. So I think the fact that... I mean, the internet for all its bad things, the good part of it is it connects us and it allows us more access to different stories than maybe we have in our own direct communities. So those are some of the things. And while the great resignation absolutely is a real and serious thing for corporate America, any of the women that we firsthand have experienced leaving, they're not going home and just becoming caregivers. They're seeking flexibility. They're becoming entrepreneurs and building something, a, a solution for the problems they felt. They're collaborating with other women. They're maybe doing the exact same job, but doing it in a consulting capacity and getting paid better for it. Um, and not just paid better, but a better quality of life. And so I, I always like to give that asterisk. The great resignation is not just women leaving to go do caregiving or housework. It's them redefining what works for them because they're incredibly empowered and they have access to other stories. So you mentioned, you know, re that redefinition, and I think that's really what we're seeing at play here. And, um, all of this kind of started about this concept of having it all and then saying you're calling them FIO FIA moments. So F having it all right. Um, so what does that mean? And how is the modern woman kind of redefining what it means to have it all? Helen Gurley Brown introduced the idea of having it all in the eighties. And you have to recognize that, I mean, her book, despite I think what good intentions has a lot of problematic 
themes in it, just given the time. Anytime we go back, you watch a sitcom from the eighties, you know, there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doesn't really hold up. Exactly. Didn't age well, as they say. Um, but women were told they could have it all. And somewhere along the way, you can became you must. And not only must you have it all, but you have to then do it all alone and perfectly. Mm. And so that is a very different thing. Just because you can doesn't mean you have to. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. But those, because our culture is so much, um, let's polish the this out and get it to the quickest soundbite possible, is she can have it all. She will have it all. And so what that means for the most common tension is work and family. So you can be educated, ambitious, successful professionally while having two and a half kids, attending the private school with the partner, you know, all of those things. One of the books that's been really powerful for us is Elizabeth Lesser's Cassandra Speaks. We recommend it for honestly any person. It's about when women are the storytellers, the human story changes. And so it's not that women's stories are better than men, but the power of multiple voices. Um, Her process that she talks about is going inward, outward, onward. And our language for that is inward is define. Go inward and ask yourself, what is happiness look like? What does success look like? What does joy look like? What is balance? Some of these are buzzwords, but when you actually ask for yourself and define that, it's very powerful, may look different than what the proverbial quote unquote, it all is. The next is going outward and that's looking outside of ourselves. And so many of us start with it all looking outward. What does society say? What do my parents say? What does my partner say? What does the work say? But we recommend you really quiet that initially. So that's then creating creating is action. It's also a really hard part. You might piss some people off because it might look differently than the way you've shown up in the past. It might be setting boundaries. It might be questioning things, um, asking for help and getting support, changing things. And so during that period, that's going outward of ourselves. The last step is onward or owning. And that's when you've maybe made a change. And we say define, create, own, or inward, outward, onward. It is a continuous practice. The minute you do this at work, personal life will go crazy. The minute you land personal life, family stuff will go crazy. And so this is, it's really a framework that you can begin to apply when you're feeling friction or unhappiness or unsatisfaction to say, wait, let me go inward. What's not working. Let me go outward make those changes and onward, I'm going to invite others along. I'm going to tell other women what I'm doing. I'm going to live this in a way um, that feels that, and that fuels us, that allows us to continue this process because we're not just doing it for ourselves. And so we always think about having it all, like imagine going to a buffet and being like, I'm going to have it all. That may be like in an instant, really gratifying because I'm tasting a lot of things, but also why did you just do that? Like now you have a stomach ache, you might be throwing up like all the sodium, you're bloated. Like there's a lot going on there. So we try to think about, is it really good to have it all? Or do I want to curate what I really want and make it a quality experience? Cause that's, this is my life. Mm-hmm. And so those are the, I think the, the different lenses that one can put on it and find what works for you as far as what this, this framework or practice looks like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, we say like an FIA moment is really choosing yourself over society's expectations, uh, expectations of family. And I think the biggest one is former self. Lots of times mm-hmm. we have a dream, right? And it might be one from childhood or something that we're living up to. And so often we hear women say, but I've told everyone that I'm going to do that. So now I have to do it because I said it out loud that I'm going to do it. And if I don't see it through, I'll look like a failure. 
Um, but they don't even want to do it anymore. It's not the, it, the dream has changed. And so I think the caveat here is define, create, own, inward, outward, onward. They're not linear. Often you can define something and then go into your create mode and you're like, actually, this ain't it. So we're going backward. And it's again, as Casey said, it's it's a constant practice. Um, and it's and it's a muscle that's so wonderful to have, you know, as you realize to quiet yourself. Um, we always say when we live boldly, we invite others to do the same. And when you are a trailblazer or someone that steps out or offers vulnerability first. So often people will meet you where you are, or they will reach out and ask, I love the quote, you know, they'll call you crazy and then they call you for advice. Mm -hmm. Um, and that has been so much of our journey. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it, we know what we know and that's safe. Um, but to step outside of that and pursue something that will make us, um, happier, more joyful is, is never easy, but, um, but it's certainly the new it all that we would define. Mm, I love that. Well, you've created a media company from all this and it's more than just a podcast. Um, so as you know, putting yourself as those entrepreneurs that you are, um, I'd like for you to share a bit about what that looks like. Um, for those of us who are maybe, thinking about going out on our own or we're doing it on the side and would love some tips or, or whatnot. So um, I'm curious, how do you, with that idea of kind of cycles in mind, how do you stay agile and innovative while also being focused on kind of the business objectives, right? Like mission and profitability, you know, the, the big one, like we've got to make money from all this, right? So yeah. tell us a little bit about that entrepreneur journey from that lens. Honestly, it's it's been an adventure. We've done so much unlearning as much as we've done learning. Um, when Casey originally called me um, in January to to join her on this venture, um, we sat down together and did something that I would recommend if you're a single founder, if you're a co-founder, whatever it might be. Um, but we sat down and talked about like the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, that our friendship was more important than the business, how we prioritize, what are the worst case scenarios, what are the best case scenarios. Um, we mapped out this company like it was Disney. Um, we always say if Disney is happiness, then it all media is systems change. Um, and we had big dreams. Um, when we launched the company, it was... Uh, that summer, and we went up to um, my parents live in the mountains, and and we were staying at their uh, their place for a the retreat. Week. Yeah, a little retreat, and it was so joyful to launch the company. And then we went our separate ways for the weekend, and both of us had this vulnerability crash. I mean, it was like, oh my gosh, we've put it. I mean, it's what our, did we just do? What did we just do? <laughs> like, I mean, this like, and it it was like a fear spiral of sorts mm-hmm. um, yeah. that was wildly unexpected. Um, but a lot of entrepreneurs and one woman in particular um, who I worked with at Goody Nation at the time, she's like, she saw us and she knew like what we were going through. I think that also through this process is one to start we had lots of contract jobs that supported us. I don't want to say that we walked away. Also, let's acknowledge the fact that Katie and I, um, one, 
I have a partner who has health insurance. Katie is a single woman in this. And so there's different realities that have to be true. How do you cover a mortgage or a rent or a, you know health insurance or basic things of living? And so that was also part of our initial thing of what has to be true for you to show up whole and well? What has to show up? What has to be true for you to have peace of mind? Oh, I actually need to make money on the side. So I can't be 100% in this to start. But what we found with our contract work is the work that we did in corporate, we said, what can we do that is the most valuable to a company? We can charge the most and do the least amount of work. And that and that least amount of work doesn't always have to be time. It can be energetically. What is the work that we can do that will preserve our creative energy and our fuel to go towards this new venture? Well, we might be able to just kind of check off the boxes on things and be able to get paid. So I want to I want to call that out because we've had a variety and a combination of consulting projects throughout this process. So we weren't looking for like a sell event, um, like so many tech companies um, that are, are that are building here. And I think figuring out, like, I always say, like, don't rush what you want to last forever. Um, And so it has been what looks like linear now, but a very slow and um, and intentional process. And to give some high levels. So we had the podcast, then the podcast we realized was research. Then we said, wow, wouldn't it be great to make some money with a podcast? But guess what? When you make money with a podcast, you have to have a substantial audience. And so then we said, hmm, do we want to put money behind growing an audience or do we want to do something maybe around curriculum? Could we take everything we've learned and teach people? So then we created courses. We launched the courses on sites like Maven, which is where you can they curate audience for you. And we said, wait, this actually isn't just a four-week course. This is something deeper because this work takes time. So then we launched a mastermind. A mastermind is a more in-depth, hands-on coaching engagement. There's a lot of limiting beliefs there. We are not coaches because we're not certified. That's not true. We have lots of experience. Um, we do have curriculum. We do have things of value. Then from there, we were invited in for other partnerships. The overturn of Roe v. Wade with the Dobbs decision brought us into health, wellness, and pleasure work. Um, we then got to travel, talking about this experience and speaking at events like Sundance and South by. And I think we've said yes to a lot. We've said no to a lot as well. And that's where I really invite any, especially women entrepreneurs to hone that intuition. You know what a good yes feels like in your body. And that's what I think building differently has had to look like for us. It's creating space for mindfulness. It's creating space for practices that bring us joy because if it's not joyful, it's not sustainable. That's why so many startups do want an exit because I've killed myself for four years. I need to get out of this, make a shit ton of money, and then just go relax or do nothing, right? There's a different um, philosophy that you can subscribe to. And in the wake of many leave it, women leaving the workforce, we have found more and more that are wanting to build sustainably. You have a lot brewing right now. And I know you've got some big projects going in light of kind of what you're aiming to achieve through all of it that you're doing, the curriculum and the storytelling. What's next for, for you guys? What's next? Um, so we're in an exciting, I think, transition and phase. Um, and with the podcast, again, we had all this grounded theory research and we learned, we built our framework of stories to systems. Um, and Casey and I were actually at South by Southwest and we were chatting over pancakes as a vulnerability hangover because speaking Mm -hmm. in front of people is 
terrifying. Training. <laughs> and um, we had had this idea for a narrative TV series um, for a long time. We were presented with it early, early days when we launched the podcast um, around original content. Um, and we always had kind of had this idea for a vignette style um, TV series. And it dawned on us uh, at South by Southwest after doing some interviews with both um, some kind of celebrity uh, status uh, women as well as just some like everyday women. Um, and we realized every single time the vulnerability and authenticity that comes with those like everyday women interviews is really our bread and butter. So we had this aha that it has to be a docu-series. Um, we have to put real women um, on screen and allow them to tell their stories because that is that is the foundation of the work we've been doing since uh, inception. And um, and with that, we have been working on um, treatment and a six part series, um, getting all of our pieces together. We're going into a fundraising, um, round right now, which we hope to close by the end of the year. And, um, yeah, we're raising money to go into production next year, um, which should be very exciting. And it's really the next evolution of the podcast. Um, we're wrapping that up, um, at the end of this year in order to kind of explore this, this new medium, Mm -hmm. And uh, we've always wanted to pair stories with conversations. Um, and so what we kind of hope to do then with the docuseries is be able to kind of take it on the road, um, maybe the festival circuit, but definitely um, looking at pairing this with uh, corporations and cultural institutions where we can do screenings and have live conversations and invite in other storytellers. We always say that we are a media company turned movement. And it's very important to us that we are not just like, we don't really see ourselves as leaders, but facilitators in this movement. And we want to invite in women that are doing this in so many ways, you know, via podcast, via art, via, um, you know, theater, whatever it might be. Um, and curate this space where, you know, women can come and have these conversations because it's so important. Um, and all the while, like it's, uh, this medium will allow us to get this content into as many hands as possible. Um, which is why we're we're taking on this new venture. That's exciting. Very exciting. And congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you. Now, um, we talk about women carrying around a giant tote bag. You know, we've got all kinds of things that we have to do and be, and we we have range, right? We're showing up and as entrepreneurs or as senior VPs, and and we're also like juggling the realities of being living life as a as a woman. Um, so, if you had to say that every woman should have one thing in their tote bag, what would that be? A community on speed dial. To me, that's, that's the places that it, it doesn't, I find a lot of strength actually in doing a lot of things, occupying a lot of roles, but the counter practice to that is I need safe place to decompress, to say, wow, that was really hard. Not that I don't want to do it. But that was really hard and be seen and witnessed for that and have a moment to just, um, connect and be supported. So community on speed dial in whatever form. I love that. Okay. So the, I'm Casey said, I'm the writer. Um, the, the introvert here, but uh, my first thought was I my copy sitting on my journal and I was thinking um, like a place to write down where you're at, you know, like I think documenting and so maybe yours is community and mine's like the, we'll cover both territories here, but like self. Um, one of the exercises that we often have women that are part of our mastermind do is a love list. 
Um, just writing down all the things that you love as silly as like clean sheets to French cafes to um, calling your best friend in the morning or having coffee together, spending time with your daughter or son, whatever that might be. Um, I used to read that before I went into interviews or situations that were, you know, anxious for me or whatever it was. And it just reminded me of like who the heck I am. And uh, I filled my cup when I was not feeling fully in my power. Um, so I think something like that to just, just remind you of who you are and where you're going. I love it. Well, thank you all so much. We really appreciate your time and everything you've shared. We're rooting for you on this continued journey and movement, redefining what it means to have it all. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for the work you're doing, the space you're creating here. It's needed. Thanks to Casey and Katie. They've got such a fascinating story and are sure to do big things. If you want to follow along on their journey, you can follow them at It All Podcast. All right. So Mandy, what are you giving us today as our one thing to try? (laughs) One thing to try, go label something, go make a sports basket or a basket for anything that you find is cluttering your space or you're picking up all over the household. Go try it. See how it works for you. Good idea. So Stephanie, what do you got in that bag? I have mental health care in my bag because I think the one thing that every woman, every person really, but we're talking to the women today. So every woman should have in their giant tote bag is some version of mental health care. And whether that's therapy, counseling, meditation, journaling, whatever it is for you that you need. It, it There is no stigma around it anymore. Make sure you're taking mm-hmm. care of your mind like you take care of your body. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today. Be a part of the conversation and connect with us on Instagram at Soar Lead. Maybe even tag your own work BFF in the comments. Also, please show us some appreciation for this podcast. Make sure to follow, rate, and review on Apple podcast or whatever your favorite listening platform is. It's part of the game. It's really how we grow and we need to grow in order to keep these conversations going. Thanks for tuning in. Join us next time for another women who work conversation. 